is the 18th episode of Decoding Fox News, and I am your host, Juliet Jeske. Each week, I watch and analyze 15 hours of Fox News and then break it down. I watch all the Fox News you'd never want to. This project is made possible by the Town Knight Center for News Integrity at the Craig Newmark Graduate School of Journalism at CUNY. As I say every week, for those outside of New York, CUNY stands for City University of New York. I'm a graduate of that program, not a student, and if you don't know me, I have a long history covering and researching the far right, specifically a hate group known as the Proud Boys. I am exhausted. I'm just saying this out loud. I was up till about four finishing the newsletter for this week. The newsletter for this week, I usually, I always call it a beast. This is, it's a monster. It's so, I just went super hyper granular with the commentary for day one, day two, and day three of the January um, 6th hearings. I was going to just do two and three, which is why the headline says two and three, and I decided to throw in week one as well, because although I already covered week one, I didn't cover the commentary. So I figured, you know, let's look at all three of them, stack it up, and decide what is really happening here. And it was absolutely fascinating stuff. And yes, you can hear it in my voice. I'm pretty tired. So I'm on my Substack right now, and the ratings for the last newsletter are the highest they've ever been for the amount of time. That's crazy. I'm looking at the amount of views, and that's the highest it's ever been for the amount of hours it's been published. So what I did for this past newsletter and this podcast, and this is why it's Next Level Nerdy, is I revisited day one, day two, and day three of the January 6th committee hearings with a fine tooth comb. I have a spreadsheet for each one where I go through minute by minute of what is covered. And this helps focus me, especially when I watch it the second or third time. And in the case of our of day one, I've seen that footage, that entire hearing probably three or four times have gone through it that often. Day two and day three, I've only gone through them twice. Um, so I also picked up on things that a normal journalist may not pick up on because they're not looking so hyper-focused for Fox. But Fox News was pretty much mentioned every single hearing, which is one of the reasons why Fox is desperately trying to ignore this thing. Um, not only was Fox mentioned, but Fox was entered into evidence more than once in that they used clips from Fox, they mentioned Fox, Hannity was mentioned in days two and three, which is very telling, I think. Um, that's how much Fox News is integrated with the Republican Party and with Donald J. Trump, which is kind of crazy because they always claim that the, the liberal media is so in bed with Biden, which I don't think it is. I mean, just pick up anything. You could find them being quite critical of President Biden right now. So anyway, we're just going to get into it because there's so many clips. So instead of doing my usual watching 15 hours of Fox, I just focused solely on Hannity and Tucker Carlson tonight, in addition to doing this hyper psychotic <laughs> next level nerdiness into the actual days of the hearing. Um, I wanted to do Hannity and Fox and explain it in the newsletter, because both of them have conspiracy theories about January 6th, 
but they have different versions of the conspiracy theory of January 6th. Tucker believes it was a uh, false flag. That's what he's promoted. And Hannity has this wacky, crazy, easily debunked theory that somehow Nancy Pelosi is to blame. And Nancy Pelosi prevented our dear hero, Donald J. Trump, from employing all these extra National Guardsmen. Donald J. Trump didn't call the National Guard even on the day of January 6th. So that's how bad that was. Yes, and if you doubt what I just said there with uh, the National Guard, it was Pence. It was Vice President Pence, not Trump, who asked National Guard troops to help defend the Capitol. That was revealed in the January 6th committee hearing. I just looked it up again just in case to make sure that I was not getting a pretty major detail wrong. It was Pence, not Donald J. Trump. Pretty, pretty shocking on so many levels. Okay, here's the first clip. And uh, Tucker and Hannity both thought they struck gold with this one. And it, it's just painful. And they were, they're still trying to use it this week. I can't talk about two weeks at the same time. It gets too confusing. But there's, this is, this is, they're, they're milking this for all it's worth. Here we go. Among those arrested, Robert Smigel. He is known for producing TV Funhouse on Saturday Night Live. He also does the voice of Triumph, the insult comic dog. Now we have reached out to CBS. We have nothing yet here. And this came, Pete, just after the 1-6 committee released a video earlier in the week of GOP Georgia Representative Barry Loudermilk giving tours in the House office buildings on January 5th of last year, one day before the Capitol riot. The Democrats on the committee, they have released these tapes and they have said that GOP members gave what they termed surveillance tours of the U.S. Capitol ahead of the riot. Pete? Bizarre. Comic the insult dog roaming the Capitol. Chad Pergram. Joking aside, how could they not be held for a year and a half in solitary confinement without being charged? Because the precedent is in place. And how in the world can Adam Schiff, again, who spent the last year and a half eliminating the civil liberties of Trump voters on the basis of January 6th, do the exact same thing and not face punishment. We're going to tell jokes about, oh, it's like Pearl Harbor. No, it's exactly like what happened on January 6th. So we'll take a close look at what the punishments are. Now, in that first clip, you hear Pete Hegseth, and he was subbing for Sean Hannity. But that's from Hannity from Friday. And the second is, of course, Slacks McGee. Uh, Tuck Tuck. How many nicknames do I have for him at this point? Swanson, Frozen, Family Food Boy. Um, anyway, and what that story is, you probably know by now, is the crew from Stephen Colbert's show was somehow involved with something at the White House. It, it seemed like they overstayed their welcome. They got arrested. I don't think it's serious charges. They certainly weren't breaking windows, defecating and smearing it on walls or beating up a cop. So sorry, Tucker Carlson, it's not the same. I know you think it is the same. It's not the same. It seems like they were invited into the Capitol and were pestering, uh, I would bet, I think it was Marjorie Taylor Greene and Boebert, um, and they just got on their nerves and they called the cops. And that's, they were past, they were there past the time they were supposed to be there. I don't think it's a major story, but you know, it is, it is kind of funny that Triumph, the insult comic dog got um, arrested. I mean, it's a puppet. 
and, and a very high quality puppet. That's a very realistic looking dog. So the rest of the week was pretty much just a cavalcade, a party, a festival of trashing Biden for everything on the planet. And I will admit that it's sometimes a judgment call of, is this segment about inflation or is this segment just trashing Biden? Because it does get a little gray. Um, I would say definitely last week was very heavy handed with just trashing Biden for being a senile, idiot, moron, hated, unpopular, out of touch, you name it. They came up with it. Um, and I and I I kind of gave up on the primetime week when Tucker Carlson decided to go back towards an old story about Ashley Biden's diary, Ashley Biden being an adult who apparently left misplaced or was stolen. It's hard to know a diary at some type of rehab halfway house facility and someone published this diary and it's a very, very private thing. And some passages were taken out of context and they're trying to imply that President Joe Biden was somehow molested his daughter, which is really disgusting because it's not what it actually says. And Tucker even brought up Tara Reid again. And I just went, are we out of what the I read probably 30 articles about Tara Reid because I just was really troubled by that whole story. And there were just so many problems with her credibility and so many problems with her story. And I, I there's there's a part of me that feels sorry for her because I do think that there there's she's not right. There's something wrong, like mentally, emotionally. But it doesn't matter if you make up. Uh, she definitely has a problem with like fantasy um, just based on what I've. I've read and I, like I'm telling you, I was reading that woman's like divorce documents because I, I just could not. I wanted to make sure 100 percent that my gut feeling that she was not right and the story was not legitimate really bothered me. So I just kept digging until I was confident that my gut feeling was right. I didn't want to just assume anything. Um, and she definitely has a pattern, Miss Miss Reed, of distorting the truth going all the way back. This is just something that this woman does. So anyway, the next clip, that's how bad it got. I mean, when you're digging up old stories and Tucker even said like, this is an old story. We're going to talk about Ashley Biden's diary again. I just went, Ugh. they just desperately don't want to talk about these hearings. So this next one is just a crazy clip that I was like, did I hear that right? Did I hear that right? I heard that right. And this is from Tucker Carlson tonight. The Biden administration tells us that constantly they seem to mean it. They use DOJ to enforce their rules. Yet somehow the most anti-white political party in the English speaking world is suddenly pushing another white man for president. How does that work? Joe Biden and friends, Ron Klain. Well, it turns out the presidency is a different thing. Affirmative action is essential for vice presidents. Obviously, that's how we got Kamala Harris in the first place, but not for presidents. Presidents have too much power. So the usual diversity standards don't apply. We've had 46 male white, pres white male presidents in a row, and the Democratic Party wants you to have another. <laughs> Not so fast, racists. So, yeah, so either, I don't know, I haven't been following Tucker Carlson that long. So either he considers Barack Obama a white man, or he forgot that Barack Obama was president. I'm not sure what he said, but he just said 46 white men presidents in a row, and I, okay. Sure, Tucker. I didn't, you know, although there was a, a, a kind of a record amount of dubious experts last week and there were a number of big stories that Fox did not cover. I'm not going to spend time on it on this newsletter because I am dedicating the rest of this podcast to day one, day two, day three of the 
January 6th committee hearings. Um, it's just, there was just too much and I could have broken it up into two, but because of Juneteenth, this has already been delayed and I didn't want to delay it further. I also just thought most of the footage that I, they got from last week of Tucker Carlson tonight and Hannity was just absolute garbage because when you're going to the depths of attacking adult children who are addicts, I, it just, that's what you've got. I mean, really? You'd think you could just ride the inflation wave because that's really what's going to damage the Democratic Party because people don't really care about Ashley Biden's uh, diary and they don't care about Hunter Biden. And they don't care about any of this minutia. They care about the fact that they don't have the spending power they used to have. They care about the cost of gas. So, you know, inflation will torpedo the Democrats' chances, Democrats' chances if they can't turn it around. You really don't need to go after uh, the adult children of the president who have addiction problems, but whatever. So we're just going to move on to day one of the January 6th hearing. And I have it super, super broken down. So I took the uh, commentary out. Uh, I took the commercials out, everything out. And the duration of the first day was one hour and 43 minutes. Sean Hannity was mentioned twice. The duration of the commentary was 15 minutes. PBS had 16 minutes, so they were on par. And I'm so happy that I just randomly decided to go with PBS. I went with PBS because PBS is so incredibly neutral. And I didn't want to go partisan to partisan because it it's just, why? It's better to go, it's better to compare Fox with something neutral. Um, but I did peek in on MSNBC and CNN, and they both have like crazy amount of commentary. <laughs> CNN and MSNBC, I believe, both start their broadcast an hour before the hearing starts and then go for an hour after the hearing is over still talking about it. So it's just an epic amount of commentary, whereas PBS is on par with uh, Fox News and that they don't do nearly as much. So the panel for day one on Fox, which technically was Fox Business, was Martha McCallum, a Fox News stalwart, Brett Baer, who is, again, just like when you think of Fox News, you think of Brett Baer, Trey Gowdy, who's a former U.S. representative with really interesting haircut, Jonathan Turley, who is a classic Fox News legal analyst, he's on all the time, Jessica Tarloff, they were trying to keep it real by having a liberal, she's from The Five. Mark Short, who's the former counsel to Vice President Mike Pence, he came on just at the end. So basically, they just went through and, and did the usual things that you would expect, which was whine about the fact that they didn't feel it was partisan enough and that they were just downplaying it massively. They didn't mention <laughs> that Sean Hannity and Sean Hannity's text to Kaylee McEnany were used as part of the evidence of day one. Didn't mention that at all. Um... Basically, and they also keep saying, oh, it's not fair, it's not fair, it's not fair. And they just ignore the fact that Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger are both on the committee and they're both Republicans. And the problem, and, and um, uh, Jessica Tarloff pointed this out beautifully, is the reason why there weren't more Republicans on the committee is the Republicans that McCarthy offered up are actually 
part of the conspiracy. <laughs> so you can't really have people who were in on the crime investigating the crime, which is why Pelosi turned them down. And they did want to do an independent investigation, and that was also shot down by the Republicans. So this next clip is too long for me to play the whole thing, so I'm going to be cutting it up and making commentary. What I did is I took the 15 minutes worth of commentary on Fox News, and I condensed it down. I also added at the beginning the clips of Fox that were used as part of evidence from day one. So I'll explain it as I play it. There's a lot to this. Um, I broke it down, the commentary, what's left to about two minutes from 15. Here we go. The most emblematic of those days is this exchange of texts between Sean Hannity and former President uh, Trump's press secretary, Kayleigh McEnany. Sean Hannity wrote, in part, Key now, no more crazy people, no more stolen election talk. Yes, impeachment and 25th Amendment are real. Many people will quit. Ms. McEnany responded in part, love that, that's the playbook. The White House staff knew that President Trump was willing to entertain and use conspiracy theories to achieve his ends. They knew the president needed to be cut off from all of those who had encouraged him. They knew that President Donald Trump was too dangerous to be left alone. So yes, the voice you just heard is Representative Liz Cheney of Wyoming, who just offered into evidence of this crazy plot text messages from Sean Hannity to Kayleigh McEnany, the then White House press secretary. That's how insane this is. And that's why Fox is massively avoiding these hearings. This next series of clips is going to be a bunch of different voices. They're all from Fox News. This is the commentary that happened during the break and after the hearing that I kind of spliced together and, and condensed it down to two minutes from 15. This isn't usually how it works. There aren't usually teleprompters. There aren't sound bites that lawmakers toss to. This is a made-for-television event. To lay Overall, I would say that we were told that there was going to be things we hadn't seen or heard before. I don't think there was a lot of new ground that was really pushed here in terms of things we haven't seen. Uh, As of yet. As of yet, they have seven of these hearings in the past and as that we've witnessed, but they didn't show what happened to Ashley Babbitt in that video. Uh, well, you put it best at the beginning when you said this is like an opening statement. The problem is there's no opposing counsel. Is, yeah. What is it that they're trying to prove? Are they trying to prove that Donald Trump is a horrible person? You might get a majority on that. That voice that you hear is Jonathan Turley. He's a legal analyst on Fox News. They use him all the time. He is a lawyer. He will repeat that exact same phrase again, that Donald Trump is a horrible person. Somehow he's reducing the president trying to overthrow an election and basically let a mob kill his vice president as just simply a horrible person. So just remember that. Yeah, and there were Republicans that were rejected um, for being part of this, but they were also Republicans who fundamentally don't accept the thrust of this investigation, people who believe that Donald Trump won the election in 2020, people who participated in the Stop the Steal rally, people who still stand by the president's side. The soundbite from Ivanka was less than stellar. <laughs> I mean, let's play the soundbite. <laughs> narrative. They went out and got an ABC figure to essentially produce this. It, it's all the buildup has been. But you, I, you know, I'll say it again. I feel like at this point we have not seen a lot that is new, earth shattering, very different from what we've heard before. 
they really seemed miffed that uh, the government got some professional help to make this whole presentation look a little bit sharper. That, like, enraged them. Which, aren't they a news channel themselves and don't they also do that? Okay, whatever. Um, this last clip is Mark Short. He was former counsel to Vice President Pence. And I have to preface that because you probably won't recognize his voice. He's not from Fox News and what he says is very telling. Mike Pence should hang. Brad, I think that that uh, is newly revealed in recent news stories the last few days, second or third hand testimony. I never heard that firsthand. And I think, again, they enjoyed four great years of working together. I think this was a, a tragic day in the, for the American people. It was a tragic occurrence at the Capitol. And I think it shows that, you know, for, for those who say this was a peaceful protest, I think some of those videos put that to a lie, that uh, the notion this was a false flag operation is just, frankly, propaganda. So Mark Short just basically destroyed the premise of Patriot Purge, which is Tucker Carlson and Darren Beatty's ridiculous, stupid movie that they have as a Tucker Carlson original on Fox Nation. So because that's what they promote, that it's a false flag. So that basically is the tone from day one. If you notice, they never really talk about the evidence. They never talk about anything that was revealed in day one. They just talk about, well, it was Hollywood. There's not enough Republicans on the panel, or they claim there's no Republicans on the panel. Um, there should be cross-examination. This is a hack job. That's pretty much, oh, and it's boring. They also claim it's boring. And that was pretty much day one. And I have a handy chart. This was, this was my favorite part. Because PBS and Fox had the pretty much the exact same amount of airtime, I went ahead and did a cross-search. I did transcripts and I looked for words and I find this just so revealing um, of what words came up more in PBS or more in Fox and for instance PBS said proud boys conspiracy impeachment criminal pardon oath keeper in Hollywood which were not mentioned on Fox uh, Fox didn't say proud boys they said it once PBS said it four times uh, Fox didn't even mention the oath keepers um, so the, the, that's just proof. They were just not even dealing with the actual evidence. Whereas on the flip side, Fox used the words lies, fair, and opposing more than PBS did. PBS didn't use opposing or fair at all or lies. Um, and lies is a tricky one because when you search for that through a transcript, you actually have to physically go through the transcript because it will pick up things like believe. It will pick up lie when it's in the middle of a word. Just a dumb fun fact that you need to know that I go that level. I go through the, if when I get to something like that, I will go through the whole transcript and count the actual word lie or lies rather than just going by what the computer tells me because the computer is not right. So in contrast, PBS briefly called it a hold your breath hour. That's what Judy Woodruff called day one. And um, they called it stunning, remarkable, exceedingly powerful and riveting. They were super into it. They had a great panel, including two experts, uh, Paul Rosenwig and Mary McCord. Oh, and this gentleman, Donnell Harvin, who was senior policy researcher for RAND Corporation. And he was formerly the chief of the Department of Homeland Security for Washington, D.C., and was had that position when January 6th happened. So he had he was just oh, so much knowledge on him. You can find the whole clip of PBS on YouTube. It I would play it, but it this 
podcast would be three hours long. So if I played all of this. So uh, I don't want to do that. So, but Paul Rosenwig had the quote from PBS and I'm going to read it instead of playing it because I really do report on Fox, not on PBS. So I didn't want to do both clips because again, it would just be too long. But he says, here's his quote. This was after they watched the whole hearing. I think it was exceedingly powerful. The arc of the story we knew already, but what stands out to me was the way in which Congressman Cheney weaved in details previously unknown that lent power and credence to the story in ways that want to at least break through to the American people that Bill Barr called the allegations of election fraud. So yeah, that pretty powerful. And there's a little typo because I, I pulled that directly from the transcript and the transcript's not always correct. Oops. Okay, day two. Moving on to day two. The duration of the hearing without commentary or commercials was one hour and 53 minutes, so longer. And this was the day that we had the big hiccup because Bill Stepien, his wife went into labor and the whole proceedings got delayed massively. And this was kind of funny how they handled it. Fox just talked through it. Um... And PBS was pretty funny. They just showed dead air. They just showed dead air. They don't care. They're like, we're PBS. We know you're watching us because you love us. We're just going to show some dead air. What they actually showed was just the hearing, people milling around, and it just said on the screen, this will start shortly. That's it. They just kind of gave up. Um, But weirdly enough, their commentary, their actual speaking was still the same length as Fox, which was kind of amazing. I don't know how that happened, but... It was, because I didn't count that just airing of the hearing room with people milling about as part of the commentary. So, there were three clips from Fox News that were used as evidence during the hearing. One was Fox News calling Arizona for Biden. Two was Rudy Giuliani on Hannity spreading disinformation about voter fraud and the 2020 presidential election. And three, Donald J. Trump also promoting voter fraud claims. This was right after the election. When he called into Fox News uh, Sunday Morning Futures, hosted by Maria Bartiromo. And they showed these clips as part of the evidence in the hearing. This is day two. So I'm going to play that first, and then I'm going to go into the panel. The Fox News Decision Desk is calling Arizona for Joe Biden. That is a big get for the Biden campaign. Arizona's called. Do you remember that? I do. What do you remember happening uh, where you were when Arizona was called? Um, I, uh, there was a surprise at the call. So that was Chris Steyerwalt, who was a former employee of Fox News, who basically got fired because he did his job too well. He came up with a model that predicted that Biden had won Arizona, and he had. And so Fox called it before other networks, and this enraged Trump So this employee gets fired over it, which is insane and shows you the relationship between Fox and Trump. This next clip is Rudy Giuliani on Hannity talking crazy. They saw a big truck bringing in 100,000 ballots in garbage cans, in waste paper baskets, in cardboard boxes and in shopping baskets. And every single one of them was for Biden because they were being notified by Smartmatic in Frankfurt that Biden was way behind and they better come up with a lot more ballots. 
and we can prove every single thing I just said. Again, that was clip was offered in as evidence by a committee panel member, Representative Zoe Lofgren of California. So she actually introduced that clip. It was actually shown as part of evidence, as was the first one. Okay, this last one uh, was introduced during testimony of Bill Barr, which was also shown as part of evidence from day two. Bill Maher is talking about President Trump. He just uses the pronoun he, but you'll hear it in the clip. And then on November 29th, he appeared on Maria Bartiromo's show, uh, Sunday Futures, I believe it was, and he said that the department was missing in action. Well, no, we had glitches where they moved thousands of votes from my account to Biden's account, and these are glitches. So they're not glitches, they're theft, they're fraud, absolute fraud. This election was over, and then they did dumps. They call them dumps, big, massive dumps uh, in Michigan and Pennsylvania and uh, uh, all over. Uh, how the FBI and Department of Justice, I don't know, maybe they're involved, but how people are allowed to get away from this stuff with this stuff is unbelievable. So for day two, Fox News had an even larger panel, and I'm just going to go through the, the names very quickly. Martha McCallum. Dana Perino, Bill Hemmer, Katie Pavlich, all of Fox News. Marie Harf, who was a former State Department spokesperson, she's the only liberal. Then they also had Jonathan Turley and Andy McCarthy. Those two gentlemen are lawyers and are Fox News legal analysts. Now, I did, did make a joke. I show a screenshot because the entire panel was the whitest I've ever seen Fox. Not only were all um, seven people white, they're also, most of them are blonde. So it's like, what? That's a, that's a lot of no melanin. So just a lot of Caucasians, a lot of Caucasian energy, a lot of, and I say this as a super Caucasian person myself, but it's a, it's a bit much because PBS is never like this. Never. It's not very compelling because these depositions are obviously edited. There's already a complaint about the first day of the hearing when they quoted Donald Trump in his in his rally speech uh, telling people they should march on the Capitol, but cut out his statement uh, that they should do so peacefully. Both Hannity and Tucker Carlson complained about that exact clip, um, but they also left out the whole you have to take you have to show strength and all the crazy things that Giuliani said during that rally. And, you know, it's they're getting really nitpicky when they're just talking about one tiny phrase that they cut out. A number of Democrats who did that. There were dozens of Democrats who refused to go to his inauguration. And they spent the next four years claiming that he was an illegitimate president who was elected by Russia. And then Congresswomen like Maxine Waters told uh, her supporters and, and Democrats across the country that they needed to get up in the faces of Trump supporters and of Trump cabinet members. And so that is Katie Pavlich of Fox News, who was just speaking there. And she's correct. However, I would love to see the example of Democrats trying to overthrow the government because she left that out. We There was no incident where Democrats, based on that, rushed the Capitol, broke windows, smashed it, beat up cops. So good luck with that. Marie, one of the things that some of the uh, Republicans had said last week, including Kevin McCarthy, for example, was that there had not been any primetime hearings on inflation or on the surging crime problem across America. Well, I think the effectiveness has already been reduced because of the lack of bipartisanship that's been much talked about. I, I just think this really underscores what a blunder it was 
for Speaker Pelosi to make this a one-sided hearing. It, listening to and watching this one-sided uh, show, quite literally show that's been produced for television uh, play out really is astonishing in terms of the norms that have been broken here. And if you take away what President Trump said about the election, what it being stolen, what Rudy Giuliani was saying, there are actually legitimate questions that people have about the electoral process. So that's Katie Pavlich again. Now she's kind of hinting that the big lie is actually true. So even after all of that testimony, she's like, well, people did have questions. I mean, they have expert after expert after expert after advisor after advisor after advisor telling President Trump there's no um, truth to his crazy theories. And Katie Pavlich is like, well, people still had some questions. I just found that just absolutely insane, what she just did there. This, okay, this next voice that you're going to hear is Bill Hemmer of Fox News. He's kind of like a living Ken doll. If you ask Democrats about the hearing on Thursday night, many told me point blank it was effective, and they watched. And I spoke to a lot of people I would consider Republicans, and they frankly did not watch. They said that one of the things they were looking at were the fundraising efforts mm -hmm. uh, that were all taking place in the middle of all of this. $250 million was what the inspector at the Justice Department said was raised during this effort. Uh, that's also going to be something you hear about on Wednesday's hearing. No doubt. Uh, there was an enormous fundraising effort that was built off the back of this. I think anybody who pays attention to politics knows that uh, that's really not that surprising. Um, there was also an enormous fundraising uh, campaign that went off the back of Russia collusion as well. That's, no that's the way politics mm -hmm. works now. Okay, that's a hilarious justification of the, the absolute enormous grift of $250 million that Donald J. Trump raised off of the big lie. I just have to comment on that. This next clip is Dana Perino, and she's talking with a voice you probably won't recognize, which is Marie Harf, who's the former State Department spokesperson and the only liberal on the panel. Just wanted to preface that because you're probably not going to recognize the voice. You've seen all the substance, but I think that what you're hearing from the two lawyers in particular are saying that it just doesn't feel like the process is fair or right or legitimate in this setting. Well, look, we can have debates about the process, and I think the Republicans tried to put people like Jim Jordan onto the committee, and Jim Jordan is involved in January 6th. He's involved in this story. You cannot put someone on a jury uh, or as a defense prosecutor, to use Andy's language, that is involved in the possible crime. In hindsight, w would Republicans have been smarter to accept an independent investigation? The system actually worked to some extent, but it depends who you're trying to convict. And I think mm -hmm. that so far they're trying to convict Donald Trump of being a terrible person. Mm -hmm. uh, thanks. And again, that's Jonathan Turley repeating the same phrase that he, he said in day one. Now, PBS, for their part, had an excellent panel. Again, I'm always impressed with the guests they get. Um, it was mostly PBS NewsHour uh but they had Trey Grayson, who's the National Association of Secretaries of State. He is a Republican. And they had a man named Pinnell Joseph, who's the Associate Dean for Justice, Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion at the University of Texas at Austin. Uh, he had my favorite quote. There's three quotes. And for time, I'm just going to read the one. He said this. I just thought this was incredibly insightful. This is, from again, from PBS. And he said, I love the testimony about Detroit, Atlanta, places that were predominantly black votes that put Biden over the top. And that's very similar to the period of Reconstruction. These efforts by then Democrats to say that black Republicans were fraudulently voting in places like Georgia, Tennessee, Mississippi, Louisiana, 
the entire old Confederacy. So he's pointing out that this whole idea of voter fraud being brought up when black voters pushed a candidate over the edge is a familiar thing we've seen before. I just thought that was very, very interesting, and I hadn't heard anyone else make quite that same argument. I thought it was very impressed by him as a guest. And then I also included, again, the words used on Fox and PBS during commentary day two. The most telling was this time PBS said lies 12 times. Fox used that word once. Uh, PBS mentioned Fox News itself 10 times. Fox talked about themselves six times. Bill Barr was mentioned 15 times on Fox and only seven times on PBS. And you can see the whole chart on the newsletter, but those were very telling. And of course, Fox talked about inflation during the commentary three times because, you know, that's relevant. So moving on to day three, Fox again was brought into evidence during the hearing. And this is Representative Liz Cheney of Wyoming bringing up text messages between Sean Hannity and Chief of, then Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. You will hear today that President Trump's White House counsel believed that the Vice President did exactly the right thing on January 6th, as did others in the White House, as did Fox News host Sean Hannity. In fact, there was a risk that the lawyers in the White House counsel's office would resign. For example, Fox News host Sean Hannity expressed concern that the entire White House counsel's office could quit. As you can see from these texts, Mr. Hannity wrote to White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows that, quote, we can't lose the entire White House counsel's office. I do not see January 6th happening the way he is being told. A few days later, on January 5th, Mr. Hannity wrote to Mr. Meadows that, quote, I'm very worried the next 48 hours. Hence pressure, White House counsel will leave. So that's, Hannity was mentioned a couple times there in evidence as part of the hearing. And that second voice that you heard was Pete Aguilar of California. He's a representative from California. He was also a member of the committee. He was asking most of the questions on day three. The panel for the commentary for Fox News included Martha McCallum, John Roberts, Sandra Smith, Jonathan Turley again, and Andy McCarthy again. Those two are the lawyers, the legal analysts. The other three are just Fox News personalities. And again, Fox all white. It was the white, 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 white show. Here we go. The first voice you're about to hear is Jonathan Turley. I thought Jacob's question was really the right one. You know, during this rally speech, I was doing that coverage as well and said that I disagreed with the president. I disagreed that the vice president has his authority, and I thought that Vice President Pence was doing the right thing. Uh, the question is going to be how the committee ties that dispute to an actual criminal conspiracy, which is what they said they are building towards. This, this next voice is Andy uh, McCarthy, who's the other lawyer on the Fox panel. When does a frivolous legal theory become so frivolous that you impute to the people who were positing the theory criminal intent? In other words, they weren't believing a frivolous legal theory in good faith. They had actually crossed the line into fraud because they knew that what they were positing was hmm. total nonsense. And I think that's a very tough case to make. You know, I think this is also the story of the political destruction of what was a, a good friendship and a pretty good partnership between President Trump and Mike Pence. Uh, that last voice was Martha McCollum, who is a regular at Fox News. She's one of the anchors. 
that's just a hilarious understatement because yes, Mike Pence was not actually harmed, but the fact that Trump knew that a mob had, you know, basically broken into the Capitol and he was decrying um, Pence as they were trashing the Capitol and tweeting about it and did not send any help, did not reach out to Mike Pence, just is absolutely insanity. So yeah, I would, I would call that the end of a friendship. I think, I think that's safe to say. And this next clip is Jonathan uh, Turley acting somewhat offended that anyone even would even bring up 2024, which is a very odd thing to say, because like, do we want to go through this again? You know, I guess, I guess we do. Well, I was very surprised that the chairman decided to end with reference to uh, with with Judge Lutig towards the 2024 election. Uh, it, it really did raise this issue again of not having a bipartisan committee. Okay, this, this next clip is Andrew McCarthy, the other lawyer on the panel, and he makes some very valid points, but he leaves out a huge gaping hole in his logic. And I'll point that out when he's finished. You know, for example, would the states really have gone along with this, even if these guys were crazy enough to send it back to the states? There's no way that would have happened. Uh, 60 courts had no problem telling President Trump that his legal claims were frivolous. When, the, when he pressured the Justice Department, the remaining Justice Department officials uh, to go along with him, they basically told him to pound sand. The military would never in a million years have joined on to this, but you would have needed the military to have the kind of coup that they're talking about. I do not disagree with a single syllable that he just uttered. I agree with him. He's correct. We probably wouldn't have had a coup. But we came about 40 feet from a violent protester attacking the vice president, the second in command in the executive branch of the United States of America. That is absolutely insane. That is absolutely bonkers. I say insane a lot. I say bonkers a lot. I just, I can't even handle this. We came dangerously close dangerously close to a sitting congressperson or senator being murdered or at least severely injured. It is, is nothing short of a miracle that no one within our government was harmed. So I'm, you can't just discount that. It's just like, oh, well, because we might be in a very different place had they gotten to Nancy Pelosi, for instance, which just horrifies me, horrifies me. So after the PBS had similar um, commentary as they've always had, I include some quote, a quote from that in the um, newsletter. I also include the, my handy little chart. This was so much fun because this is the first time I had equal amounts of Fox and uh, PBS to compare. Normally, I can't do these word comparisons because I'm dealing with 15 hours of Fox and five hours of PBS. But this uh, week, it was really great. It was fun to watch these comparisons because they were way off. So for the third installment, I think I have, uh, yes, I have it right here. I have the third installment. Uh, the words that were way off were John Eastman. Uh, PBS mentioned him six times. Fox did not mention him once. And he's a huge part of this story. Biden was mentioned five times, not mentioned on Fox. Department of Justice was mentioned uh, five times on PBS, nine times on Fox. So this is very interesting to see that comparison. Um, and I have a quote in there about Judge Lut Lutwig, who is an incredibly hardcore conservative, which Fox kind of leaves that out. So the fact that he was basically called Trump and his followers a clear and present danger to our democracy was, oh, just if you knew this man is, is about as conservative as you could get and he was that savage towards Trump. 
even though he talked very slow. We all know he talks slow. So next week, I'm doing the same thing. I'm going to be getting the rest of this uh, hearing. Hopefully, there won't be any hiccups. I'm also going to be covering Tucker Carlson tonight and Hannity. This is a longer podcast than I normally like to do, but I had a lot of ground to cover, and I got to all of it. Please check out the newsletter because it has a little bit more detail. The clips are longer. Um, I have to cut stuff down for audio because it's a little bit harder to keep focus on audio than it is visual. Thank you so much for your support. I should have my Patreon up this week. I've been meaning to do this, but this whole January 6th is has tripled my workload. But I'm happy to do it because we need to get the truth out there. We need to fight back against this propaganda machine. Thank you so much. And thank you from Thor and Odin, the mascots. <laughs>